Hello and welcome to this episode of the ISBA BursaCast podcast. This episode has been recorded and released on the 22nd of February 2024. As always, these episodes are here to bring you the very latest on operational and regulatory issues impacting independent schools today. A few things to get through today, but first of all, I need to let you know that tomorrow, 23rd of February, the early bird offer for the ISPA annual conference is finishing. So if you would like to make the most of that 10% discount, please head over there and do that as soon as possible, for after tomorrow, we'll be back to our regular pricing. Now, before we jump into the real meat of the episode, many a bursa who listen to this, thank you very much for listening, dear bursa listener, you may have received a link this week to ISBA's VAT on fees member survey. This follows the debate concerning the taxation of independent schools being discussed over the last few months. What is missing are some up-to-date, demonstrably correct facts that could be used by ISBA and ISC at the national level with the relevant government departments. So, to that end, our short survey aims to extract some basic information on the financial health of your school and give you the opportunity to outline the plans you have for the future. The ISBA survey is therefore intended for all ISBA UK member schools. By participating in the survey, you are contributing to our collective understanding of how tax treatment changes impact the future shape of the sector. Responses to the survey will be analysed by the ISBA and results will be shared in aggregate and anonymised form. The survey should take about 20 minutes and is open until 6pm on the 8th of March 2024. If you would like the survey resent to you, please email office at theisba.org.uk and a copy of the survey questions can be found in the latest bulletin, so head there if you need some more information on that. You may find it useful to have to hand your most recent statutory and management accounts as well as recent Department for Education submissions, with many thanks in advance for your support and participation. And final thing before we get into the guidance section of this episode, the ISI has published its Complaints Procedure Consultation and Online Survey also. The consultation will remain open until Friday 26th of April. ISBA members are encouraged to complete the survey which will have been sent to them by ISI. The ISI will also be running a webinar next Tuesday, which will cover the consultation proposals and provide a wider inspection update. This will be communicated to schools along with details about the consultation. The webinar will be recorded and uploaded onto the ISI website shortly afterwards. So with all of that dealt with, let's move on to some government guidance, something we all love to have. Now, the government has published guidance on the use of mobile phones, which can be found on the DfE's website along with their press release, which is also on there. The guidance covers independent schools, although it is non-statutory. In summary, it says that as part of the school's behaviour policy, schools should develop a mobile phone policy that prohibits the use of mobile phones and other smart technology with similar functionality to mobile phones. For example, the ability to send and or receive notifications or messages via mobile phone networks, or the ability to record audio and or video throughout the school day, including during lessons, the time between lessons, break times and lunch times. It also sets out four possible approaches to managing the use of mobile phones, while also saying it is for school leaders to develop and implement a tailored policy on the use of mobile phones and other similar devices. The four approaches that they recommend are no mobile phones on the school premises, mobile phones handed in on arrival, 
Mobile phones kept in secure location, which the pupil does not access throughout the school day. Some schools may have established bag-free days where personal possessions are kept in lockers or similar secure storage. Never used, seen or heard. Some schools may choose to adopt a policy where pupils keep possession of their mobile phones on the strict condition that they are never used, seen or heard. There are a few caveats to this and regarding boarding schools, the information reads that boarding schools and residential schools should prohibit the use of mobile phones throughout the teaching day. They should develop appropriate policies regarding the use of mobile phones during the rest of their pupils' time at school, which safeguards and promotes the welfare of the children in their care in accordance with the boarding school's national minimum standards and residential special schools' national minimum standards. This includes facilitating arrangements so boarders can contact their parents and families in private at a time that is suitable for both parties, considering relevant time zones for international pupils, of course. There is additional info on older pupils where it says that with pupils in sixth form, they should be permitted to access their mobile phone at certain times and limited times, locations and reflecting this period of education as one of increased independence and responsibility without compromising the school's policy on the use of mobile phones for other pupils and on medical conditions. Pupils with diabetes might use continuous glucose monitoring with a sensor linked to their mobile phone to monitor blood sugar levels. Where mobile phone use allows pupils to manage their medical condition effectively, it would not be reasonable for a school to prevent this. That makes a lot of sense. Additionally, the sanctions it provides is saying you should confiscate the phone. I'm sure that'll vary school to school. It has attracted some headlines. It says that head teachers or staff they authorize have a statutory power to search a pupil or their possessions where they have reasonable grounds to suspect that a pupil is in possession of a prohibited item as set out in legislation or any item identified in the school rules as an item that may be searched for. Head teachers can and should identify mobile phones and similar devices as something they may be searched for in their school behaviour policy. Staff should refer to searching, screening and confiscation in schools guidance regarding searching a pupil. That was a lot of information straight from the ISC. Hopefully it provides some at least basis for these things going forward. One of those ones that I'm sure will vary school to school. The next bit of update is around Martin's Law and the consultation that's going on there. If you listened to last week's Friday Focus, we had VWV on discussing everything around that and the consultation that's going on. It finishes on the 18th of March 2024 with the expectation that it will be rapidly passed into law. So if you're at all unsure about anything to do with that, I urge you, go listen to that. It'll be the one that'll get you up to date. And to finish up, something we haven't heard about for a while, but of course it's constantly there, is the Teachers' Pension Scheme Member Contribution Band changes. And each April, the member contribution bands are updated in line with the Consumer Price Index. In the year to September 2023, CPI was 6.7%. From the 1st of April 2024, the bands will be changed to reflect this. The CPI also impacts other pension factors, such as annual allowance, flexibility rates and more. Please read the TPS's latest newsletter to see the new rates for 2024. Well, with all of that looked at and dealt with, let's have a little look at the advice and guidance questions and answers for this week. A little note before we begin is that the ISBA advice and guidance email address has now changed to advice at isba at theisba.org.uk, that first at simply being a t 
rather than the at symbol. So if you have found that your calls for help have been met by silence, that'll be why. Now, number one, our teachers have questioned the pay deductions following their recent strike action. How much may we deduct? Well, unless stipulated otherwise expressly in the contract, 1 365th is the default. The teacher's contract of employment covers this issue in some detail. See the guidance note regarding contract clause 8.6 where it says a day's pay will be calculated on the basis of 1 260th or 1 365th or 1 whatever it may be for the purpose of calculating deductions or payments of salary. Schools are advised to review contracts before any deductions are taken from pay. Members may wish to consider harmonising contracts across the teaching cohort if necessary. Number two, do you have any indication of the National Teachers' Pay Award for 2024? Unfortunately, no announcement is expected until May at the earliest, following the STRB remit letter. This TES article that's linked in the bulletin argues that teacher pay must exceed 3.3% next year. The NEU expects an award of 1-2%, and that's within the school's week teacher pay article they published. So sadly, no concrete information on that. Number three. We noted in a recent ISBA bulletin the question as to what is required when you change the chair of governors, and the response that the DfE regards this as a material change. In our case, we are not owned by any individual or group of individuals. We have charitable status and have a governing body with articles that enable a change of chair at a specific point in time. The charity and the school are effectively one entity. As we have no owner or proprietor, does that mean that no material change is required? Or, as we have no owner but have charitable status, does that mean that our board of governors are the proprietor body and therefore it is a material change when the chair of governors is changed? Quite a complicated question here but we'll break it down. In DfE speak, the term proprietor includes the governing board of a charity. The requirement specifically covers the chair of the board, including the board of the charity. So you do need to go through the process. They need special DBS and clearance checks, and the Secretary of State has to approve them. Paragraphs 1.2 and 2.1 in the Independent Schools Change of Proprietor Guidance, which is a PDF in the reference library, says that Where the proprietor is a company or a charity, the term proprietor, in the context of the guidance, refers to the individual member of the proprietor body that has direct oversight, e.g. the chair of the proprietor body or lead director. 2.1 refers to the ISSRs. Part 4, paragraph 20 of the standards relates to the suitability of the proprietor of an independent school, whether an individual proprietor or the chair of the proprietor body. Hopefully that's answered your question, if anyone else was unsure about that. And to wrap things up, let's look at ISBA's top tip of the week. Please note that the ISI has confirmed that the ISI data portal is closed, as announced in the December update and reported in our monthly bulletin. Schools can no longer upload or access their inspection data. Inspection data and required school policies will in future be uploaded to the inspector's hub once a school has received notification from the RI. However, don't fret. The ISBA has created a free inspections app which can be used to lodge all documents and call them up when the inspector calls. For more information, please email office at theisba.org.uk. And that draws to a close all of the guidance and advice for this week. Last few things to let you know about is, of course, the annual conference. Book now for 10% off your place before tomorrow. 
So please make the most of that. It is an absolutely jam-packed, fantastic programme and is going to be capped off with Marcus Brigstock as the after-dinner speaker on the Wednesday. We look forward to seeing you there. Looking at webinars coming up 23rd of February, so tomorrow, we have one on cybersecurity, followed by the 1st of March on sustainable education, a new model. 8th of March, data protection insights. 19th of March, managing health and safety for school lettings. And 22nd of March, outsourcing your catering. So lots of different topics there. Looking at our safeguarding program, the next session takes place on Wednesday, the 28th of February from 2 until 3 in the afternoon. And ISBA's online safer recruitment course continues at £60 per person. And you can take that online and take it as fast or as slow as you like. Now that draws to a close this episode. Thank you very much indeed for listening this far along. If you would like to get in touch, please email podcast at theisba.org.uk. We love hearing from you, whether it's a hello or a suggestion for topics, guests or anything else that might come up. It's always good to be in touch. Now, before I go, just to say, please do share this with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. And be sure to check back in tomorrow where we're hearing from VWV about a bit more detail around the transgender guidance that's recently come out. So check back in for that. Otherwise, until next time. Farewell. Well.